1: National parks all across the country seemingly hold tales of strange and horrifying things. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another video. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy, and allegedly true, horror stories from national parks sent in by viewers just like you. Now as always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it be a national park horror story or something else, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net, or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp, as stories like yours help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without further ado, let's jump into these creepy, and allegedly true, national park horror stories. I am what you would call an avid hiker. Nature is my second home, and with little to do in the small town I am from, the best way to have fun is to escape to the nearby Sierra Nevada mountains. I often visit Sequoia National Park in Yosemite, as they are not too far from where I live, but this story takes place in the Three Rivers area. This was back in May of 2020. I and my husband... We're eager to get out of the house and get some fresh air as the virus had us going stir crazy my mom recommended a loop trail that had many pretty features twin lakes wild horses and plenty of trees as we walked the main path my mom's descriptions of where to go started to make less sense as there were many smaller trails that seemed to lead to the rivers nearby in fear of getting lost We stuck to the biggest path as we could see that best through Google Maps. Later, we found out that we went in the opposite direction of the loop, which explained why we were so lost and encountered many horses so soon. We also found that the road we walked on was a service road, but still looped back to the beginning of the trail. Let us just say, we did not make it far enough on that path to figure that out for ourselves. After encountering that many landmarks, my mom said we should encounter the end of the hike. We continued the dirt path, hoping to get home soon to enjoy our next meal. I believe it lightly sprinkled on us as we made our way back and the atmosphere was full of laughs, giggles, and a few hits off our stizzy. That is until we heard a gut retching sound. We stopped dead in our tracks, too scared to move but also in disbelief of what had just happened. To the left of us was the side of a mountain. It formed a curved nook, almost as if God himself punched the side of the mountain. Within the nook were darkness and trees, though the kind of darkness that is too hard to accurately describe. If I did not know any better, I would think that it would have led to a cave. The bone-chilling sound that made us stop and glance over to see the terrified expression on our faces was comparable to an animal giving us a loud warning to stay back. Even the birds in the nearby trees did not want to take a chance, as after the warning, they scattered in every which direction. It was not a growl, a snarl, or a neigh. It was a strong vibration from one's throat with the mouth closed, unlike any animal I have ever heard. Still to this day, we have no clue what it was as no animal noise we researched was able to really be spot on to what we heard. Frozen in our tracks, and eyes locked on one another, we stood too afraid to move, too afraid to speak. Then we heard another blood-curdling moan, this time louder than the first, with even more birds flying everywhere. It told us that this was the last warning we would get. Not taking any chances, we ran back the way we came for a good half mile or so, too scared to look back to see if it was chasing us. I cannot begin to explain how terrified I was in that moment. My spine tingled with the feeling of something, like if something was watching you. But the unknowing of what it was was terrifying me. The idea that it did not have to warn us the way it did or as many times as it did sickens me. It could have done whatever it wanted to us, so many things raced through my mind as I ran back. We saw people coming towards us and tried to warn them about what we had just experienced. Unfazed and probably too proud they continued the path, but later we saw them return the same way we did. To this day, we never go towards the service road and have never experienced anything similar. Our best guess was maybe a mountain lion, but no recording ever satisfied our appetite for the truth. If you are in the Three Rivers area... Do not use the service road to loop back on skyline drive and thank you to whatever it was that let us go and live i live somewhere around gatlinburg tennessee i'm not going to give the exact location for privacy reasons i love the outdoors and i always have so naturally I visited the Great Smoky Mountains National Park almost twice a month. I have seen many things, but by far the most horrifying thing that has ever happened to me was seeing a raven mocker. For those of you who do not know what a raven mocker is, it is a monster from Native American folklore, the Cherokee in specific, that eats the hearts of dying people. Anyways, I was walking on the trails with some friends of mine, Aaron and Derek. By the way, my name is John. So we were about a mile into the trail when we all heard the most horrifying screech that we have ever heard. It sounded like a cross between a raven and a person screaming in distress. What happened next was one of the few things that I can vividly recall. After the screech, we heard a very loud flapping noise coming from above the treetops. It was like what you would imagine a pterodactyl flying would sound like. You could tell it was big, We then saw the shape of what somewhat resembled a man, pterodactyl, and raven swooping above our heads. The best way I could describe it was leathery with feathers. It was an abomination. It let out another screech as it looked back at us, and that is when I saw its eyes. They burned like the sun, and they were red and horrible. It was like a demonic red. We all looked at each other, and Aaron asked, Was that a... No, Derek said quickly. If you say its name, it will kill you too, you idiot. At the time, I did not know what a ravenmocker was. However, Aaron and Derek both knew what it was, both being part Cherokee. And that is probably why they never told me what it was. We booked it the hell out of there as fast as we could. I swear we ran at light speed back to my pickup truck, and drove even faster out of the park. After the whole ordeal, I looked up what ravenmockers were, and learned that I had probably killed it, because it is said that they die soon after a mortal sees them. All in all, it was the scariest thing that has ever happened to me. Thanks for sharing my story, and remember that we do not know everything about this world, so always be wary. I will not tell you who I am. I cannot tell you where this happened. And I cannot tell you when this happened. I got death threats for months after this. I had to quit my job. I had to move. I had to change my entire identity to stop people from finding me. Some of you sickos will no doubt put in the time and research into working out all the details yourself. But just let me make it clear that my details were expunged from the employment records and you will never... Ever find me, and so I can finally make my confession in peace. I used to work as a park ranger at a well known, frequently visited national park. At this national park, there was an old ghost story that the veteran rangers used to talk about. They used to talk about these weird noises that would come from a lake. The noise had apparently sounded like a puppy yelping and splashing but the ranger who heard it could not swim and was not about to put himself in danger of drowning just to save a dog. The next day, the body of a young child washed up on the shore. It was never a dog out there. It was a child that had fallen in the lake after being out there exploring unsupervised. The park ranger was devastated. His spirit crushed that his selfishness had resulted in the death of an innocent child. He was haunted by the thought. Took to drinking, wore himself down until one night, while sleeping in his cabin, he heard a familiar noise coming from the lake. It was the sound of a little boy, crying out to be rescued. He ran to the lakeside, dived into the water, and struggled his way into the center of the body of water until he reached the side of the splashing. But there, he only saw the smiling, bloated corpse of that same little boy who dragged him beneath the lake and drowned him, just as he had. That is the way the story went, and to be honest, I thought it was the biggest load of bull I had ever heard in my life. I told the crusty old-timers that same thing, that I'd have to be of diminished capacity to believe a crock of bull like that. But, instead of laughing or whatever, like, okay, maybe this guy isn't as dumb as we first thought, They got all annoyed about it. They told me not to disrespect the angry spirits of the departed. But then it was my turn to laugh. I could tell the difference between them getting annoyed over me disrespecting the dead or whatever, and them getting annoyed over me not, you know, respecting their dumb story. The following week, I found I had my shift pattern switched to nights. I confronted them about it, and told them I was not impressed that they were so immature as to switch my shifts up. But they insisted that... It was only to cover for a guy whose mom had taken ill and had been forced to drive back to his home state to take care of her. I did not believe a word of it, and I was just straight up angry at that point. Angry that a pair of grown men would lie about something like that, basically just to gaslight me, but I did not want to show them how frustrated I was. I would just take their crap on the chin, so to speak, and not give them the satisfaction. So the first night I am there in the lakeside cabin, I am settling in to prepare for a long night of utter boredom, brewing coffee, and playing dumb mobile games. When I hear something from outside the cabin, I put down the phone, get up and walk over to the door. I open it up as much as I can so I can listen out for what it is, but I recognize it instantly. It is the sound of splashing, coupled with the sound of a child crying out for help between spluttered breaths. (laughs) Haha, very funny. I remember shouting out into the darkness. Think you can scare me with your dumb stories? Well, I did not believe them. And I do not believe you now. Try it on someone with an IQ as low as yours. This was obviously their little game playing out. Their attempt to scare me into submission and believing their backward-ass ghost story. But I was not about to let that happen. I went back inside, slamming the door shut and jamming my airpods into my ears on full volume to block the noise out. They were selfish, vindictive people. That is what I told myself anyway. But apparently, not determined enough to keep playing the sound from whatever speaker system they had set up around the cabin, because when I paused my music like 20 minutes later, the noise was gone, and all was quiet again. The next morning, just after sunrise, I packed up my stuff and prepared to leave the cabin. I was so exhausted and irritated by the prank they pulled, I was not prepared to wait for them to arrive. I figured if I did, I would be so angry at seeing them that I might have knocked some of their damn teeth out. That would get me fired, and I simply could not afford that. Not with the economy in the state that it was. But I was walking to my truck. Something catches my eye from the lakeside. Something small and sodden that the gentle waves of the lake lapped against. I turned to look and saw what it was. And when I did, I dropped my bag in pure horror and disbelief at what I was staring at. The body of a child, face down in the dirt. I pulled out my phone, dialed 911, and basically screamed at the operator for an ambulance to get out to the place I was. They had to send a helicopter in the end. Before it showed up, The two crusty old rangers rolled up in their truck, and their damn eyeballs almost fell out of their head when they saw me trying to perform CPR on the dead kid. I tried, and tried, and tried, but he was gone, long gone, and it was all my own damn fault. I ended up word vomiting about what happened the night before, telling them everything. How I had thought the whole thing was a prank, part of the punishment for not believing their damn story. They claimed to have no idea what I was talking about, which angered me even more. But when they asked me why I did not help the kid, I flipped out. I rushed one of the older guys, tackled him, and beat the living hell out of him before I was dragged off and talked back down to Earth. But I could not really calm down. Not until the chopper arrived and put that kid's body on a stretcher. The paramedic seemed furious. There was no one to save. I remember one of them explicitly shouting over the din of the blades, The kid's been dead for hours. When they took off and I drove back home to go on an indefinite paid leave, I thought that might have been the end of it, and that I would have the time and space to get over what happened. But I did not have time. Someone leaked information on what happened. I do not know if it was the old timer I decked, the other ranger, or the paramedics, but somehow, someone got a hold of my contact details, and the threatening calls began. I'll never forget the night my girlfriend answered the phone in our apartment, saying hello in the happy, chirpy way she always used to. I watched as her face went from all smiley to neutral to downright horrified. Who is this? Hey, who the hell is this? Call here again and I'm calling the cops. It was the first of many death threats, the first of many, many calls, handwritten letters, and emails that told me I was an awful person. That I did not deserve to live that I was dead to the world the night I let that poor innocent young boy drown in that lake when his lungs filled with the water and the death spasms racked his body he was not the only one to die I died too she was not my girlfriend for much longer and I do not even blame her there are not many people who could handle that kind of abuse and I only got through it by myself by the skin of my teeth and so That led me to where I am today. I live alone in a state of fear, far away from the national park I allowed a child to drown. I legally changed my name, changed my entire look so no one from my old life would be able to recognize me. I went through an intense period of transformation. The old me is a ghost, as good as dead, dust in the wind, and no one will ever find me. No one.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18+. Montana must be one of the most beautiful places in the world, and it is one of the last beautiful places in the United States that still truly feels wild, unlike my native California where almost every area of natural beauty is plastered with man-made trails, ranger stations, and tourist traps. But I do not mean to offend anyone. I'm sure your favorite hiking spots in Wisconsin or Washington or wherever are amazing, and maybe it is just a little internal bias talking. Having watched too many old cowboy movies with my dad, but to me, Montana truly feels like one of the last untouched wilderness areas in North America. And luckily... A buddy of mine feels the same way about it. So every year around September, he and I would take a trip up to Bozeman to spend some time away from big city life out here in San Francisco. We have been friends forever and pretty much spent all of our high school and college days together. But since we slammed into our 30s and did all the boring grown-up stuff like getting married, having kids, focusing on careers, we do not really nearly have enough time to spend together. So I honestly relish our year trip to Montana together, where we can catch up on stuff, get some serious drinking in, but most importantly, indulge a mutual hobby of ours that has verged on an obsession ever since we were teenagers. Hunting our stopping ground of choice has always been Glacier National Park, right up on the Canadian border. It is about a five-hour drive from Bozeman itself, but we make a point of driving out for a few days. One to get settled into a campsite, another few to hunt. All before a few days of drinking back in Bozeman to celebrate our successes or commiserate our failures. So last year, we repeated the same old ritual, driving out to the national park with our hunting gear in tow. We found a good place to park up, hiked a few hours into the wilderness, and found a decent little spot to set up camp. Every year, we seem to be a little more exhausted when the day ends. Call it a little bit of a side effect of getting older, I guess. So last year, we passed out earlier than normal in our one-man tents with the intention of rising at dawn to begin our day's hunt. 6 a.m. the next morning, the little alarm on my wristwatch starts beeping. It is the closest thing. That is similar to the feeling of Christmas morning when you are a kid. It is just pure excitement. Jumping out of bed to see what hunting Santa has left among the trees for us that day. We have a little breakfast, drink a little coffee, and then pack up and head out. For those of you that are unfamiliar with hunting or nature in general, there are two times in a day when birds sing the loudest, dawn and dusk. It sounds all pretty to us humans, like this wonderful lyrical bird song, but it's just pure war cries. What sounds sweet and cute to us is them being like, I am here, and if you come up in my tree, I'ma mess you up so back the F up, other birds. And it is something that soundtracks every morning hunt, every single time we have visited Glacier Park. But that morning, it was almost silent. We could hear the odd squawk in the distance, but our immediate vicinity was silent as the grave. And that only means one thing, that a large predator is in the area, something that is on the hunt. I remember the look on my buddy's face when he turned to me and stated the exact thing. How I double-checked that I had a can of bear mace on me, just in case anything happened. But that area of Montana, right near the Canadian border, is known to have wolf packs roaming around. And I shuddered at the thought of what would happen if we were cornered by one. Two aging city boys would be run down in an instant. We would not stand a chance. We would be torn apart and eaten alive right there on the forest floor probably before we could even get a shot off. Trigger discipline is probably the most important aspect of firearm safety, but I struggled to keep my finger off the trigger of my Remington once I had racked around into the chamber. The fear was palpable. It felt like something was close, real close, and in the woods as dense as the ones we were in, something could be on top of us in just seconds. Then... After another mile or so of walking through the near-silent forest, we saw in the distance. A grizzly, and it was freaking huge. I'd never seen one in the flesh before that day, and I was completely overwhelmed by the size of that damn thing. I mean, they were monsters, in the very sense of the word. Just a damn flesh tank, a ball of muscle and sinew, perfectly designed to chase down, kill, and shred whatever they want. We watched it staring back at us. It had this dull expression on its face before it sniffed the air a little bit, catching our scent. We must have looked like frightened little boys, but to the grizzly, we were nothing. This was just another day, and we were just another meal, another kill, business as usual. We just slowly walked on, keeping our eyes on that murder machine the whole time until it was eventually out of sight. We are not dumb. We knew we could not just hang around and carry on our hunt with that thing in the area, especially not since it had our scent. So, slowly, but surely, we made our way back to camp, with the intention of packing up and moving to a safer area. But God laughs at well-laid plans, and about halfway back, as we were keeping our heads on a swivel... Trying to keep an eye out for that thing stalking us through the trees, I heard something heavy, and it was bounding straight toward us. I could not see it right away, and frankly, the idea that something so huge could just creep up on us like that is something that is just pure nightmare fuel to me. But stalk us it did, and in a moment of pure stomach-churning horror, it knocked my buddy to the ground as easy as a grown man might knock over a child. I mean, it just sent him crashing into the dirt, and it was on him within seconds. How I managed to miss that thing's head with my first shot is something I will never really understand. I'm an experienced hunter, and I'm a rather good marksman, but pure panic took over. Crippling fear just had me turning to jelly. The feeling of expecting to see my best friend in the world torn apart before me is something I am never, ever going to forget. I am not military. I have never had any official training. Nothing like that. So I did not even think to work the bold action and chamber another round. I just went for the bear mace, spraying it right in the eyes of that thing as it slashed its claws across my buddy's chest and face, tearing up clothing and flesh with deep, gouging strikes. His screams, though. That is is what I kept hearing in the quieter moments during the months following that trip these blood-curdling screams as he thought he was going to die, and not just die, be eaten alive, watching his own guts being torn from his body and chewed up right there in front of him. But it worked. Somehow, the bear mace just worked. It immediately stopped clawing at my buddy, started wrinkling its nose, and doing these weird-like sneezes or coughs. I cannot really think of any way to describe it, but what was obvious is that it was in considerable discomfort, as the ingredients in the mace went to work on its nose and eyes. Then as suddenly as it appeared, it took off again, crashing through the trees, smacking into the odd tree here and there. It obviously struggled to see where it was going. Then it was just a case of checking on my buddy. But Jesus Christ, he was an absolute mess. The bear's claws had torn off chunks of flesh from his face, shoulders and chest. Blood was everywhere, and I mean everywhere. I was frantic, too. I kept alternating between trying to tend to his wounds and looking around to make sure the bear was not charging us again. When I think back to it, I can only see certain frames. It's not like a movie in my head. It's just like still pictures, very patchy. A side effect of the adrenaline, I guess. The blood is leaking off my buddy as I help him to his feet. He could run, but the attack had stunned him and he was shook very violently as I pulled him up and started dragging him back in the direction of our campsite. I knew the bear mace and bear spray or whatever you want to call it had worked, but for how long I had no idea. So we ran as fast as our legs would carry us through the trees and over hillocks until we saw the bright orange fabric of one of our man tents. Another weird memory I have is of my buddy applying his own gauze bandages. You like to think the guy would be in major pain, but... He was just running on pure adrenaline that bear tore him up bad but he could not feel a thing it was just pure survival instinct kicking in he was a survivor and he was not about to go down easy and in a twisted kind of way i was proud of him by that point my one major concern was that he would lose too much blood on the way back to our truck i mean he had already left a blood trail from the scene of the attack so the bear would be able to trace our path really easily if it wanted to. So I was stuck in a horrendous catch-22 situation. Leave him with his rifle and risk getting attacked again, or have him come with me and help risking him bleed to death or leading the bear onto our trail. But a primal angry roar that echoed through the trees kind of made that decision for us. The bear was still in the area. Not even that, it was close, and it was angry. I wrapped half my buddy's head like a Gauze taped a buttload of whatever I had to his chest so it would stop bleeding, and we got to running again. Almost every step we took, I expected that bear just to appear again. Only this time, if it attacked me, my buddy would not have a rifle to be able to take that thing out. Although the fact that the bear mace had worked was a huge comfort, so there was no doubt that it would work a second time. But we got lucky for a second time that day. The first time when the injuries to my buddy were not as bad as they could have been, and the second time when that bear did not rally for a second attack. We made it out of the park and down to a place called Ennis quickly. We visited a medical clinic, got my buddy all stitched up and patched, then actually headed to the bar to just decompress and unwind from the nightmare that we had just lived through. My buddy did not have to buy a single beer that night not as he told the story of getting full-on attacked by a fully-grown grizzly bear. "'We are not sure if we are going to go on our trip this September. All this COVID stuff aside, I'm not sure either one of us is quite ready to go back to that horse. But I look forward to the day that we are. I am not going to let a horrific encounter like that ruin the one thing that kept us close for so many years.' Growing up, I was always on the heavy side. I suppose it is because I come from a family of food lovers whose portion control was never their strongest suit. It was all TV dinners and sedentary hobbies, so it is no wonder we are all a certain size and shape. But it always bothered me. I would see the attention skinnier girls got around the school, and I know it does not align with my mostly feminist view of the world, but I wanted that to be me too. So a few years back, I started my own personal weight loss journey. Not so much that I could fit society's view of what beautiful is, but so that I could have confidence in myself and in my own body. I wanted to look good for me, and if that helped me land a hot guy, then cool. This is how I took up hiking as a hobby, and why I spent so much time around Acadia National Park up here in Maine. The views up there also allowed me to indulge another hobby of mine, photography. And sure, my pictures do not make it any further than my Instagram account, but still, it is something that brings me a lot of joy. Sometimes I would drive up there with friends, but they could not commit to those long trips all the time. So there were times when I would go up to Acadia all alone, to get my few hours of exercise in. So, I am hiking the trails up there, taking pictures of the sun as I glinted off the ocean through the trees. Messing around with filters and usual photography stuff, I thought I had managed to get the most amazing shot. Something that was bound to get a whole bunch of attention on Instagram. When I hear a voice sounding from behind me. Lovely day for it, huh? It was a man's voice. Friendly sounding, but still the shock of hearing it so suddenly made me jump. I turned, seeing a man in a park ranger's uniform. The hat. The little shorts. The whole getup walking up the trail behind me with one of those trekking poles in his hand. Uh, Yeah, got, got to make the most of the nice weather here in Maine. It's super rare. I tried to sound as cheerful as possible, but I will not lie. I did not really want the attention, at least not from an older guy like that, who had also managed to ruin the composition of the photograph I was in the process of taking. I know that makes me sound unfriendly or whatever, but honestly... Sometimes we girls just prefer to be left alone. But he continued to make conversation in that super annoying way that some people do. It's almost like they can detect that you just want to have some time to yourself and instead opt for being gregarious. So I remained polite for as long as I could, nodding along as he talked about how lonely it could get being a park ranger up here. Then eventually just straight up asked him politely to let me just do my photography making something up about being a professional photographer who was surveying the area for a magazine I worked for. I know I should not have lied, but I got the distinct impression he was not going to leave me alone otherwise. But he took it on the chin. I suppose he got the craving for human contact out of his system. He told me he was sorry to interrupt, wished me good luck with my work, and then carried on down the trail. So I take my photos, taking my time over them, but decided to turn back to walk the opposite way, so I do not run into him again. It's not that I really thought he was creepy or anything. I just did not want to run into him again. Call me neurotic for wanting to avoid awkward moments, but that is just the way I felt about it. So, I am heading back the opposite way, taking pictures along the way, capturing the way the trails snaked through the trees in such pretty ways sometimes, looking like something out of a fairy tale. I happen to take a particularly aesthetically pleasing one, and I am admiring it on my phone when I happen to notice some small detail in the center right of the frame. It was a figure. It was clearly wearing a pair of shorts, peeking out from among the trees. I know this is an innocuous little detail. I know it was just the ranger I had seen an hour previous, but it sent a chill through me. Just how the hell did he manage to loop around and get ahead of me, even though he walked off in the opposite direction that I had? I felt distinctly unsafe. A flash of fear running through me as I began to suspect that this ranger guy's intentions were far from good. I mean, who just follows someone like that? Or rather, it was not even following me that he was doing. This guy was straight up stalking me. But I had no choice but to walk by him. He had literally put himself between me and my car, so I had to just suck it up and walk past him. Even if I was putting on a brave face to do so, I decided to cut him off, if that makes sense. I was prepping myself to just be like, Hi there, can't stop, late back for a meeting. Or something to that effect. But it was him that spoke first. You know, it's not safe for a girl like you to be walking around the park alone. I can't remember exactly what he said. That's just my estimation of it. You're really pretty. and Bad things can happen to a pretty girl that walks around on her lonesome. I was ruined. I tried to think of something witty to say. Some cutting retort that would shame him for being way, way too familiar. But I could not. I was just terrified. Who the hell says that to a total stranger? So I just carried on walking, at an increased speed, ready to call 911 if he started to follow me. But he didn't, he didn't follow me at all. He just shouted, ''Where are you going? Don't you want some company?'' Take care of being rude like that, little lady. You might just end up being rude to the wrong person. I thought stuff like that only happened in horror movies, or something like that. That creeps like that could not really be walking among us. Or if they were, I suppose I just hoped I would never encounter one. So I get to the end of the trail, back to the parking lot where I had left my car, when I see another ranger milling around the area, taking little markers out of his truck or something. I walked up to him and demand to know who the ranger on duty was, describing the guy that I saw, how his uniform was all dirty and stuff, how he carried that trekking pole, when suddenly I just started to feel sick. This ranger? His uniform looked almost nothing like the guy back in the woods. It was clean, pressed, and starched, lighter khaki color and different styles of patches on it. Same kind of main park service thing, just different looking. I knew what he was going to say before he even said it. There was no other park ranger on duty at the time. He was the only guy in the area, and no one else should have been wearing a ranger's uniform. He saw the look of horror on my face, that nauseous, shell-shocked look as I realized how much danger I had been in walking around with that guy in the loose. I told him everything, but I did not stick around to see what came of it. I just got in my car and went back down north towards Ellsworth, And it took me a long, long time before I was able to go back to Acadia, even with friends. I make a point of never, ever going to secluded places like that alone now. It is just not worth the risk of running into someone like that. Someone willing to dress up to trick young women into feeling safe when they may well have had quite different intentions. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true national park horror stories. These stories were downright horrifying in my opinion. That bear attack, honestly, is one of my deepest fears in life every time I go hiking. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new faces, and that helps me out a ton. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating as it helps the show truly grow. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us and help our waters expand even further? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video as I upload them almost every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit your scary story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp and stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're not aware and you're on the go, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories wherever you are, but don't have YouTube premium, you can download your favorite scary stories from the swamp on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button and subscribing, maybe check out the merch store. I have everything from t-shirts, to hoodies, to face masks, and more. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting The Swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. I'll see you soon with another creepy video.